As we watch Olivia grow up and do all of the, the, the motor skills things that she's learning how to do, what her soul is actually doing is learning how to predict an outcome based on a particular action. And so when she's just, about, she's just standing right now and she hasn't taken, you know, she's not quite done the whole first step thing yet. But as she's standing there and she's leaning and you can feel her doing these kind of things, her soul is doing all that intentionally to figure out, okay, when I move my shoulder this way, what happens there? When I do this, what happens there? And she's, her little brain, her big brain is figuring out the, the, the equation that goes along with all the things that are related to the bodily movements so that when she does decide to walk, she'll be able to do that. Her soul is doing that by predicting an outcome to a particular movement. And the hundreds of thousands of billions of trillions of calculations that go into that. Like, watch this for a second, Alex. Now, watch what had to happen for him to be, yes, for him to be able to catch that, right? His soul is having to calculate the future position of that pen as it floats through the air. You can throw it back to me so I can show them again how it's done, right? I'm having to figure out all of those. My brain was doing, if you had to get a computer to do that, it would be an astronomical number of calculations in order to figure out how to get that to do it. For me just to do this and toss that thing up in the air like I see some of you do with your cell phones all the time, right? This, that's an amazing ability that our soul has had to develop, but all it's doing is predicting what's about to happen based on the data I'm receiving, the weight of the pen, the flip that I'm giving it, the light, bright lights that are in my eyes as I'm trying to catch it on the way down. It's doing all of those things inside of my head. Our soul, it, its primary function on this planet is to predict what is about to happen. That's how I'm able to walk. Like watch this, I, watch what I'm doing. Watch, just watch this kinetics of what I'm doing. Now, if you think about what my soul had to do to figure out how to walk forward and look backwards, and how about catch a pen ah, on the way down, it's extraordinary. What all of those things are just what I just did right there to be able to balance myself down like this without falling over and come all the way back up. Right. And see, now I could go on and on and on and on and give you demonstration of demonstration to show you that your soul's primary responsibility is to predict what is about to happen. Right. Now, as we do that, then, and that's all done, by the way, very interesting new stuff that's coming up, it's all done right back here in your visual cortex. Your, and it's both left and right sides of your brain. And it builds, your brain builds a picture of what is about to happen twice as fast as it is actually going to happen. So you're able to stay way ahead of all of those calculations because of this moving pictures that are in your visual cortex showing you what's about to happen spatially, what's about to happen. It's an amazing function, but it is making you use past history in order to predict 
future events. That equation is where we run into a problem when God comes to us and says, I want you to expect something different to happen than you have seen happen all of your life. Your soul is going, yeah, that's not going to happen. God comes and says, if you drop, that, if you drop the pen this time, it's, not, it's just going to float in the air. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I know that Pharaoh's on one side of you and the Red Sea's on the other side, but if you turn around and lift a stick in the air, then this water that's always laid flat, flat since the beginning of time is going to split out and you'll walk across and die land. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Because I know when you put water down, water fills in the lowest spots. That's just what happens. But you see what, what Moses had to be able to do was he had to be able to see that God, in his infinite ability, had easily had the amount of power in his promise to bring itself to pass. What we have to do is learn how to hope against hope. Okay? And so we'll discover it. So prediction. Your soul uses various forms of information to predict what is about to happen next. This is... And this is then communicated to the rest of your brain so that you can properly prepare to respond to the, the prediction that you've made. So when I toss this to, oops, Alex. When I toss that to Alex, his brain, go ahead. When his brain had to do all the calculations to prepare his hands for wherever. Now watch, I'm gonna toss it over his head this time. So it's gonna go way over your head. So you had to make a whole different set of movements in order to catch it that time. His, yeah, it's more of a lob. So what had to happen is all of those things, now your predictor shows the rest of your brain where your hands need to be, what needs to happen, what do you need, da, 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 okay? You're going to make, it's going to tell you your positive and negative emotional responses. It's going to give you the positive or negative thoughts that you're going to think. It's going to give you your physical responses, whether you lift your hands up in the air or don't lift them, you're going to run or whether you're going to sit down, or you're going to cry or you're going to laugh. All those things are all predictable. It's going to give you all those responses, and it's going to give you your verbal responses. Yeah. You know, I was going to have, is Richard here? Turner? Yeah, okay. So if I'm, I'm not going to have you come out. If Richard Turner is here, you know, the people that are on the front row, you're getting spit on all the time. But you keep coming and sitting back on the front row. It doesn't bother you that I'm spitting on you. If I brought Richard up here and I spat in his face, Richard would have a whole bunch of responses that he would have to figure out as how he's going to respond to the fact that I just spat in his face. That's why I'm not having him up here, because I'm not quite sure what his responses would be. <laughs> All of that literally would be happening instantaneously. So instantaneously that most of us don't really even realize that it's happening. Okay? Your prediction tools. Okay? When you are doing your predictions, you are using, one, propensities at birth. Now, this is a little bit, a little bit differently, a little hard to understand. Okay? But the Lord was even speaking to me about this the other day. I had, we were in prayer last night, and I had a little Olivia walking around on the back row there. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, her and I don't really have a verbal relationship that much. We do baba, bibi, and stuff. But, you know, I, we don't, I don't sit down with her having long theological discussions about the nature of the world, elpis. But the Lord was showing me that she and I do actually have a huge relationship spirit to spirit that she's picking up a whole bunch of stuff from me that we're not communicating verbally. And so, and same with her mom and her dad and her other people, all of you guys, when you're with her, she's picking up all this stuff, even though she really doesn't, you're talking to her, but she doesn't, doesn't really know. She gets a little bit of an idea already about what you're saying, but she doesn't really understand. But what you're picking up in these seasons, right from conception, 
is you're, you're getting a lot of spiritual information that you're learning. You're not, it's not learning in the way we understand learning in a human sense, but you're picking up a lot of that. It's, a, it's kind of like a leaning, a tendency towards interpreting things certain ways. Right, like a lot of the times today, we have you know moms who spend a lot of times in doctors' offices before they give birth, and those places are telling you the four thousand things that could be a lot wrong with your baby all the time. Instead of just you know, good, I need a couple of pictures every now and again, and just take my blood pressure, send me on my way. One way you're very susceptible to this infirmity matter, this issue of infirmity, right? And that becomes very popular in our world. That's a spiritual thing that is going on in the life of that young. Uh, fetus, and they're picking that up. I don't be, I'm, not, I'm not condemning you if you go. I, you go, definitely, you go. We have to do these things, but we also need to be aware that these things are happening, yes. right? That I'm not, you know, I'm not going to take very small children into very difficult spiritual environments where there can be very confusing for them. That's, right. That's not a good idea because they're picking up that stuff. And so when you have a predictor mechanism, there is a nature mechanism that we are dealing with here, or what we would call nature, because it appears to show up when the baby shows up. But it's the sins of the fathers, and it's the, these propensities, these spiritual issues, or as, as Paul said about uh, Timothy, it's the heritage of faith. It's the strength of the spiritual advancement of the parents and the grandparents, great-grandparents, that's getting passed down, good or bad, okay? So then either one of the hopes is going to be affected by that. But a lot of people already coming into the world come in and they already start manifesting a lot of negative emotions and negative things because they've already had a lot of communication around the, 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 uh, a negative expectation. Number two is going to be, obviously, it's, it's the uh, trained perceptions. And that would be, you know, if you go outside without your coat on, you're going to get sick. Climb that tree, you're going to break your arm, right? We're being taught how these things work, okay? And we're teaching people, and we've all had that experience, and we probably have been guilty of saying it and having it said to us, it's just for the example here where we are being trained in how do we figure out at a very young age how to relate outcome, how to predict an outcome based upon a, a, a set of information that we're traveling or we're handling at this particular moment, okay? And then, we've got, then we go from there, we go to my own experiential events. So these are the things that I actually experienced, and a lot of times, I did, I did get sick, and I think, and I don't think I, I must have gone outside without my coat on. I don't remember ever doing that, but I must have because mom said that when I go outside without my coat, I get sick. And I start to have experiences, but it's more what I am perceiving. I before E, except after C. Perceived experiences. What were the experiences that I perceived in my life? What did they, how did they work? What caused them to happen? As I'm building that relationship between what's going on, the data that I'm collecting, my responses to it or whatever it was, how'd that work out? How did it affect it? I'm growing and growing and growing in my ability to predict things in an accurate way. Because success in life comes from being able to predict things in an increased level of accuracy. 
I can walk better as I can predict what's about to happen as I go on to rough terrain. As I learn it, I can actually run on rough terrain. Right? And I'm getting better and better because I'm predicting how all of that is going to be affecting me as I'm moving forward. And I can go faster and faster and faster. Right? I'm, I'm investing in the stock market. I get richer and richer by how well I can predict what's about to happen. Do you understand? And all of those things are happening. And then finally, it doesn't kind of fit into this category, but the other issue that we are contending with is novel experiences or novel situations. And that means a situation that I have never faced before. Right? How, am I gonna, how do I predict what it's going to be like jumping out of an airplane if I've never jumped out of an airplane before? And so there's going to be a whole bunch of experiences that we have that I don't really have any way of relating them to any other thing in my life uh, to predict the outcome. And so how am I going to understand that? How am, how's my soul going to respond to a situation where I have no way of understanding all of the factors that are going to determine the outcome? And my soul is going to respond to that a very particular way. As a matter of fact, even in our world today, the Lord has been showing this, just talking to me about it the last little while, is that the fatherless, it's actually the father in a person's life who teaches them how to handle novel situations. And so you look at our world, our world has a very significant issue with fatherlessness. And so it's common for people to grow up with an, just an un, inability to handle a situation or be able to move forward with, an, with a positive expectancy in a situation that to them is novel. And what happens? They just stand still. They don't try to do that. They, don't, they can't even build a positive expectation of an outcome. All because it's something that fathers do. And I, don't, I, don't, you know, I haven't done any, study, haven't done any work on that. That's just to toss you out there what the Lord has been talking to me about, about the opportunities of apostolic ministry, which is a father ministry. And so this is one of the things that we believe for to be implanted, imparted into the lives of people who have grown up with the inability to handle these novel situations in a, with a positive expectation. So that's, a, that's a, you know, something to look forward to. So we have no relevant experience in order to, to offer guidance in predicting the outcome. So do I look at it as a victim or as a victor? Do I go cautiously or headlong? Do I, pl do I plan about it or do I flow about it? There's all of these things that how, how were we taught how to handle a novel situation? All of those, again, are a prediction or based on a prediction of what is about to happen. Okay, natural hope versus divine hope. Natural hope is a prediction of the outcome of a situation based on these past experiences or whatever, all that list of stuff right here, with, as we apply those to similar experiences that I am having right now. Right. Divine hope, that's now the hope. This is, so this will here, this, no, this is here. This is natural hope, which is these things here. This is all of this builds natural hope. Hope that is felt like this is divine hope. And what is that? Divine hope is a prediction of the outcome of a situation based on a promise from a credible source. Okay? So imagine now you have a situation where you're going to go to the store and buy a coffee, but you don't have any money with you. And I come with you and I say, don't worry, I'll buy. Okay? Now you have, first of all, you're thinking, okay, muffin too. And so, I understand, but you realize that my natural understanding, right, 
let's just let, focus on this. Very important that you grasp these concepts. In my first situation, you're asking me to go to the store and get a coffee with you. I know how go to score get coffee works. I, my expectation is I'm going to get there. They're going to pour me a cup of coffee and I'm going to reach into my pocket and get them $2 and give them the $2, except I don't have $2 in my pocket. And so I'm going, this is not going to go well. I have a huge negative expectation for what's about to happen. If you come to me and say, come on, let's go. I'll buy your coffee. Now, because I know that you have given me a promise and I know that you're a credible source, I saw the $5 in your pocket when you walked in the room, I know you have the money to fulfill your promise. Now, what happens is it completely changes my expectation of the moment. Even though I, heard, I knew last time I went there to go get a coffee and I didn't have any money with me, they didn't give me coffee. I, predict, I can clearly predict how it was happening in a natural sense. Now that you've come in, sort of in the, in, the, in the metaphor here, you're God, you've come in and said, that's okay, I'm going to fill this part in for you. If you believe, if I, I keep mixing it up, if I believe Alex and I believe he's got the ability to fulfill his promise, it has completely changed my hope. If I believe he's good to his promise and two, I believe he has the ability to do what he said. It's going to transform the way I look at that. Abraham had 50 years. Remember the story of Abraham now? When he and Sarah were trying to have a baby, they had been trying to have a baby for a long time. I'll say 50 years. Back then, you used to get married when you were 12. And so it could be longer than that. They had been going. They're now 75 years old as we get to Genesis chapter 9. And we're 75 years old, and they still haven't been able to have children. So we have somebody involved in this story here that has a significant history of failure in this area. And it's a significant emotional failure. To have no children is a big problem back then. Huge for his, the, the woman that he loves, who is getting her value and her, her meaning in life from the ability to have children for her husband. It's huge. And so the, you can see the imprinting of the failure isn't something lightweight. It's real. And they're trying all the time because of how important this is to them. When they add, so he's got that on one side, and on the other side, he's got this promise from God that he's going to be the father of a multitude. Abraham had to make a choice. A choice that was which force, history or God, has more power over the future. I have to make that decision. That's, then that's such... It is a, it's a ridiculously important and conscious decision that you have to make when you're going to, going to walk this way. Prediction is the primary mechanism of the soul, conscious and unconscious. There's all kinds of things. If I would have whipped this pen at you and your eyes would blink just before it hit your face, you had no, you had no idea it was coming, right? Even though you know it is so primary to your soul function and instantaneous that most people do not know they're even doing it. And when you don't know you're even doing it, you don't think you can control it. Right, 
That's the problem. Abraham had to, now listen carefully, Abraham had to interrupt the natural flow of thoughts and emotions, predicting the inevitability that he will die childless. Like imagine that. Now think about, you know, you see problems that you, we each are facing in our lives, and we have this constant flow of brain activity, thoughts and emotions, all telling us about the inevitability of what is about to happen in our lives. What we have to do is interrupt that. Listen to this in Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. How many of you would like God to come to you and say that? Say, Ian, I am your shield and your exceeding... Oh, Lord, I knew you loved me the most. That's not Abraham's response. Abraham's response said, And Abraham said to the Lord, What are you going to give me, dude? Seeing that I go childless. And the steward of my house, the steward of my house, is this Eliezer of Damascus? Meaning, all my stuff. You can go ahead and give me all the stuff you want. More stuff means nothing to me, is what he said, because of the inevitability that I am going to die without an heir. That's how strong this was. This process that had been rehearsed over 50, 60, 70 years in Abraham's life. What do more natural possessions mean to me since all is lost when I die? It's a despair. The natural flow of that event is a despair about the inevitable reality of his present condition. Super, now this is, now focus on here. Have I been long? I'm at zero. Does zero mean you got lots of time to go? Okay, supernatural power. This is, this is the kicker right here. And this is going to be the hammer that each one of us need to take home tonight. Supernatural power is wielded by interrupting the natural flow of information in and prediction out. What's happening? What does, uh, what does it mean? Which then is equals what is about to happen. What what's the situation right now? What does this situation mean? in a way that it predicts what's about to happen. And superimposing upon that natural flow, a promise from someone with a, with a credential to fulfill the promise that he's making, God. Listen to, listen to Second Peter. And this is a lot, but just listen through it with me. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him, listen to how many times the word knowledge is being said here, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you may be partakers of the divine nature. By these precious promises, you become a partaker 
of the divine nature. I'm going to slap one of you people in the front row here. After escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he's talking about becoming a partaker of the divine nature. And besides this, now listen to this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Oh, wait a minute. I thought you just had to have faith. Take a moment. Say la. Add to your faith virtue. To your virtue, knowledge. To your knowledge, temperance. To temperance, patience. To patience, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. You notice that faith was the beginning of the journey. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you get this, is what he's saying. You will neither be barren nor will you be unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you something. What you probably think I'm saying there when I'm saying the knowledge of Jesus Christ is that Jesus Christ existed and he died on the cross. That is not, although that is a very small piece, it's very important, it it is a part, but that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking here about the deep, a deep intimate understanding of what Jesus understood. Or better to say it like this. A deep, intimate understanding of what Jesus had, a deep, intimate understanding of, is superimposed upon what you believe, no matter what you believe. Okay? That's what this is, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to have time to do it, but maybe next time we can do this. Go through the wording of what he's saying here, and it's not a knowledge that Jesus Christ existed. Right? If I say that I trust or uh, if, if I believe in Donald Trump, I'm not saying I believe that he's a human being and there's a pretty good chance that he lives in the White House. Or maybe it's a soundstage or maybe he's a cartoon character. I'm just not sure. That's not what he's saying. If I say I believe in Donald Trump, it means that what I know about him and his thinking and his knowledge and his ideas and his principles and his act, I believe in that. Do you understand? I'm not saying that I do or I don't. I'm using it as an example. <laughs> Moving on. So we got to get to the place where we get, a, we got to get rid of this understanding that all I need to know is Jesus and Jesus died on the cross and see the fullness of that. As a, that's true. We didn't have to know that. But that's not really what this is talking about. Okay, so let's look at these words really quickly because I want to get to the one word that's going to give us our instructions for tonight. Okay, that's, uh, let's go backwards. Okay, so faith. It says you, want to, you need to have faith, which is a belief in the truth. That's where you start. And then you add to that virtue. That word virtue is the word arete, and something like that. Arete means a virtue or a virtuous thought, feeling, or action. And in this particular context here, it's saying once you know the truth, 
what you need to do is you need to start embracing the idea that there are things of a virtuous nature that you need to add to your brain as possible other responses to situations that you find yourself in. There is kind of a moral code maybe that you're adding as an option. You're opening up your mind to say, if somebody spits in your face, maybe you shouldn't spit back. And your normal response yesterday was spit right back. Now it's just saying, add virtue to that. First of all, think about what you're doing from the truth. Okay, what's the truth in this area? Okay, so he takes your cloak, give him your second one. Okay, good, I got an idea here. Now start think adding to your thoughts a way of virtuously thinking about whatever the situation is that you're in. But just add the idea that there might be another way to do it other than the way you've always done it or the way you've always been shown to do it. The third one is the word add to your virtue, knowledge. Knowledge is the word gnosko or gnosis. Gnosis means a deeper and more enlarged knowledge of things. It's a spiritual understanding, a moral wisdom such as is seen in a person who is living rightly. And so what you're doing again now is you're realizing that as you do it, I'm going to have to go and look for more information about a deeper understanding of why don't I spit back. And I'm starting to realize, wait a minute now, so the seeds that I sow, whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. So if I spit back, what am I going to wait for after that? Somebody else is going to spit. I'm getting some deeper understanding. I'm adding that to it so that inside of my mind, as I am trying to use all this information to predict an outcome, I'm using other information other than this stuff here. Okay? Here's the kicker. This is our job. Now that's what you do here. Add to your knowledge temperance. Now that's not your next door neighbor's daughter. Temperance is... is, is hold on. Just get, 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 get a firm grip on the person that's beside you. Just, I don't want them falling off their chair. Another word for temperance... I know this is just, you know... Self-control. Self, self-control. It says one who has mastered their thoughts and emotions. The root word in krates is a word that means strong and robust. It means to have power over or to be in possession of. It means mastering, controlling. These are all fun words for us all tonight. Curbing, restraining. It means to control one's self, to be temperate. Okay. So realizing then the list of what God is saying, Peter is saying about how you get all the way to being not barren or unfruitful in the things that Jesus knew that he, that he intimately had deep understanding of as what he has deep understanding of is becoming something that you have deep understanding of. 
you've got to have faith, know the truth. You've got to add to it virtue and understanding that there's other ways of responding to the situation other than you thought, the way you thought you should. Add to that knowledge. And then when you have the faith, the virtue, and the knowledge, you're supposed to have some self-control. Now, oftentimes, when you're dealing with the concept of self-control, you're thinking about the things that you do on the outside. That's not really what this is talking about. This is talking about what is going on in your soul. As you have this whole predictive mechanism that's going on, you're interrupting the natural course of predictions that are going on in your life. You're stopping it. You're restraining yourself. You're holding your tongue. You're holding on to your soul as it's wanting to run down into a deep hole of depression and blame everybody else around you. That's the normal thing we've always done, right? I want to yell and scream and get, have, a, have a panic attack. That's what I've always done. The only reason I did those things is because that's what I was taught, because that's the concept, that's the natural in, in our lives. I have to interrupt it. And as I'm exercising self-control, I'm seizing hold of my mind and my emotions, the thoughts that are running through my head, and I am making them stop while I think about what the truth is I add to it virtue there's possibly another way of looking at this situation other than the way I've looked at it all of my life I'm adding some knowledge about that what am I about to do no matter what I do I know that I'm going to sow seeds that I'm about to reap think about it think about it think about it it's going to feel good in a moment right it's fun to spit not so much to be spit at Right? That's just, one of the, that's just one of the simple concepts of the Word of God as He's saying to us. Okay, think about it. Measure. What am I going to do? What's the right answer to the situation? What should I say? What should I do? Build a knowledge bank. This is now the key. As I start to finally choose that I'm going to respond out of a deep understanding of what's going on in my soul, I'm not going to respond just frivolously. Oh, Pastor Ian said not to spit back, so I'm not going to spit back. What the heck? That's not going to be do any good for you. It's going to be your measured thought process because you're having some self-control. You're going to measure the thought process. You're going to do something on purpose because you know about what the answer is in the Word of God. And then you're going to see, even to a small degree, how well that worked. Hope is based on experiences that you've had in the past. Our journey walking with God is intentionally doing things in a way that line up with at least a little bit of what God is telling us to do. Then I start having experiences that doing it that way actually produces a better result. You spit in my face, I hugged you. I didn't, that didn't feel at all good in the moment. Matter of fact, these things rarely do, right? The, the good food is not the stuff that gives you the instant high, right? 
The good food is the stuff that lasts and produces strength in your physical body, right? Same in this area. It's not the quick, quick fun thing that, I, that would have made it worse. It just, I get a good high, but then I get a real low. That's what happens in all, in all levels. I'm learning now and I'm getting some history about what it means to walk with God. That's Romans chapter 5 there. The first part of Romans chapter 5 is you begin to get some experience and some character built and all of these type of things, which then produces real hope because now I have a hope that is building that is actually hope in the Bible and the ways the Bible tells us about the truth and the way to use the truth in order to manifest miracles. And then hope will never leave you ashamed. It will give you the result. It will... It will honor you in the sense, the flip side of that. It'll honor you by doing what, it's, what you expected it to do. But you see, if we've, we don't build the ability to exercise some self-control, then we thwart the whole, the whole circuit is thwarted. Because I didn't really ever get to the place where I developed the muscle that is self-control. It's a muscle in your brain. So put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, I hear that there's a muscle in my brain that gives me self-control. I think I need one of those. So Holy Spirit, build self-control the word says that self-control is a fruit of the spirit that means when I got you I got self-control I got the ability to control the thoughts and emotions going on in my soul because you knew if I was ever going to get to my destiny, if I was ever going to manifest spiritual power, I needed self-control. So I speak to my soul and I declare to you, we're gonna practice self-control. So Holy Spirit, you know I'm going to need help. I'm okay with baby steps. But I want some self-control. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.